Greetings, church and friends of the church. This is the scripture lesson and sermon from uh, the gathering for worship of the Valley Forge Presbyterian community on Sunday, December 19th, 2021, which was the fourth Sunday of Advent. The uh, scripture lesson is from the prophet Micah, uh, chapters four and five. Long ago, Micah wrote this and said and proclaimed this. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be raised up above the hills. People shall stream to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, but they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. But you, O Bethlehem, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor is brought forth, and the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure. And now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. So the story of Advent that we've been remembering and retelling over these past several weeks is the story of waiting. It's not a passive waiting. It's a waiting with hope and expectation that God would bring to be that which God promised would happen. It's not a time to sit back and just wait for God to do all the work, to make it happen magically, but to, to trust in our calling as willing partners in that work, willing partners in bringing to bear that thing that God promised would happen. We are part of that becoming true. This morning, uh, we, or this episode um, on, on this past Sunday, we lit the final candle of Advent, the candle of peace. I wonder what kinds of circumstances and feelings come to mind for you when you hear the word peace. We know conflict within families and workplaces and religious and political institutions. We know there is much conflict and violence in our world. We know all too well about disaster, wars, oppression, poverty, and millions of our fellow children of God being forced from their homes and homelands. And so we wonder if someone is to have a day without conflict or pain, is that, is that a day of peace? Is that what peace means? Is peace something fleeting that can be here today and gone tomorrow? Is peace something 
that's individual, depending on individual circumstances, are those who have those circumstances, who have those conflict-free days, those pain-free days, are they privileged with that sense of peace for a reason? Did they do something to earn it or bring it about? And to those who have conflict, who have pain, who have struggle, do they just need to figure out for themselves how to earn or get more peace? As, as though that's their problem. Uh, and if our awareness of those who have conflict, who are in the midst of struggle, who are in pain, if our awareness of that makes it so that we can't experience a sense of peace within, what if instead of waiting for peaceful feelings to return somehow, some way, instead we just proactively turn off the news, stop listening, stop paying attention, squashing our empathy, or, or maybe we meditate in ways that distance us, disconnect us from the stress and the heartbreak of the stories of others because of the way they make us feel so that we can feel serenity instead, feeling dis-ease with their circumstances. And so in that way is, is blissful ignorance that we can bring about for ourselves. Is that really peace? Well, the Hebrew word that gets translated as peace that the prophets would have used to talk about God's intentions of peace, the, the peace that Jesus talked about being one of the hallmarks of his kingdom on earth. The word, that word is shalom. It's this word that's used to describe when everything, everything is as God intended it to be. Everything is operating as God intended it to operate. Everything and everyone is connected, cooperating together in harmony in a way that maintains the balance and the well-being of the whole thing. It's not just that a particular individual member of the whole can experience shalom, or this one segregated group of members of the whole can experience it because they're safe or well or operating in accordance with God's will, but instead it means that Everyone, all members of the whole, all things, all people are safe and well, operating in accordance with God's will. Operating as God intended all things to operate. In Shalom, every member is interconnected, collaborative, and doing their part for the sake of the other, and therefore, ultimately, for the sake of the whole. So, a, a silly example. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife Blair went out to the driveway at 30 in the morning to start her car, uh, let it warm up so she could head off to Perkiomen Valley Middle School, where she goes every day to shape young learners. But on this day, her car wouldn't start. The vast majority of the parts of her car were operating as intended, but the fuel pump wasn't. Because that one part was malfunctioning, not able to operate, as it was intended to operate, there was no shalom. The whole car could not operate as intended because there was a breakdown 
in one of the necessary parts of the whole. So in that moment, the engine had enough oil, battery had enough charge, the interior was weatherproof and comfortable, the gas tank had more than enough fuel. All those individual parts were well and good and ready for that drive, but does the well-being of these individual pieces really matter unless we consider their well-being within the larger context of the whole? Is Blair's ultimate interest in the well-being of these individual pieces of her car? Or is her ultimate interest in, the, in her car's ability to operate as a collective in a way that it was intended to operate, to get her to where she needs to go safely? So that morning we had to have a car towed. That one part had to be addressed in order to restore Shalom. So this is a mundane and pretty simplistic analogy for what God intends in creation and creating the world, creating us as people within that world. There's an intended balance, interconnection, collaboration, and harmony to God's creation. Every member must do their part within the system in order for there to be Shalom among the whole. The creation poetry and the narrative of creation that are the very first thing we read about um, when we open the scriptures. This is the foundation for our understanding of all this about God and humanity is that God's intention in creation is shalom. All is created by God. All is affirmed as good. All operates according to God's intentions in creation. The rising and setting of the sun, the water cycle, this all nurtures life within the symbiosis of plant, animal, and human life. And humans, in the midst of this creation, are named as stewards of the natural order. We are tasked with maintaining the integrity of the shalom. Keep it in order, as God intended. But we know that that shalom breaks down when we as stewards choose our self-focused human will over God's intention and will. We're prone to do that. We're prone to override God's intentions in favor of our own. We have that choice. We have that freedom and free will. And so as we reflected earlier in, in this Advent season, the, the brokenness of the world, the ways that the shalom is breaking down, it's not God's punishment on purpose or disobedience or mutiny, but it's just the natural organic result of our imperfection, of our choices that are not God choices. If that fuel pump fails, and because of that, the gas tank is hoarding all of the fuel for itself, then there's none that are being shared with the engine in order to work. If stereo system were to be unnecessarily elaborate and loud and hoard all of the electricity for itself, there wouldn't be any electricity left to share with the other systems of the car that need it to function properly. If a tire blows out and there's no care and healing offered to that tire, it can cause a chain reaction of harm done to so many other parts of the car, which can take that car even further away from the shalom of being able to operate properly. If if one person, one group, one nation fails to do its part within the interconnected order by hoarding more resources than are necessary with self-interest rather than interest in being stewards of maintaining the integrity and the well-being of the whole, shalom breaks down. If a person, a group, a nation is left to fend for themselves rather than being cared for 
fixed and restored by others with an interest in their well-being as part of the whole. It can cause a chain reaction of harm done to several other parts, which just takes us further away from the shalom that God intended. Maybe we know what that's like. To see a hurt person hurt someone else and for that cycle to continue. To see a nation harmed. To see a people harmed and for it to just snowball and create more harm, more ill will, more antagonism. Get us further and further away from shalom. But the good news is that if it breaks down, when we as those human stewards turn away from or ignore or override God's intentions, then naturally it's restored when we turn back to and we hear and we implement God's intentions. The natural result of our faithfulness to God's will is restored shalom. It comes. The prophet Micah spoke up in Israel at a time when when they and so many other peoples and tribes and nations around them were feeling an increased anxiety and pressure because the Assyrian Empire was expanding. There had been a pretty long season that felt close to Shalom for a while for Israel, but the march of the Assyrians was causing that to break down. And so amidst the fears and the anxiety that this was calling forth, Micah reminded the people of God's promise to be at work in all things and through in and through them for the sake of peace. How they were called to be a part of that. How they were called to help. So Micah says that they are to be a people in the midst of this crazy world that they were in with its threats and its challenges. They were to be a people uh, that did not turn in on themselves and insulate themselves from others, including the Assyrians, but they were to be a people who were open to others in the world that they might come and stream to them. Because through Israel, through them and their witness and their teaching, all peoples and nations would hear God's instruction, God's teaching for how to maintain the shalom of creation in which all nations would know well-being and harmony. As part of this guidance and instruction that was to be mediated by Israel, God would help to judge and arbitrate, to help leaders and nations and empires to resolve their fears and conflicts and differences such that they trade their swords and spears for plowshares and pruning hooks, trading weapons that only cause more harm and take the world further away from shalom for tools that serve the common well-being of all instead. God's instruction and guidance towards shalom is what would, would naturally result in all peoples sitting under their own vines and fig trees without fear of war. This was the answer to the problem caused by the Assyrians. Yes, they were advancing. Yes, they might show up. They might disrupt. They might harm. They might take over. But God's will for them was not to prepare for war and not to turn in, but to have an openness to the world and prepare for instruction. Teach the other nations what Jeremiah taught them to do during their own exile in Babylon, to seek the shalom, the well-being of all those around them, even those who would exile them. Because in seeking the shalom of the other, they would discover that they too are part of the whole community of shalom. Break the cycle 
not with more powerful violence, but with more powerful love for enemy. And so Micah says, let all the tribes and nations come so that we can teach them. This is the way we respond. This is the plan. And Micah then imagines what most prophets imagine throughout the history of Israel, that God would send to Israel the anointed one, the Messiah, who would lead Israel into the fullness of this identity as God's partners and voices and restoring and maintaining shalom and would lead them unto the completion of these efforts in the kingdom of restored peace on earth. The one who was to come, says Micah, would be great unto the ends of the earth because he shall be the one of peace, the one of shalom. And we are those, the church, centuries later, who named Jesus of Nazareth as this one of peace who has come. The one whose name, if it is spoken and shared with integrity and not spun, it's a whole other message. That name is great into the ends of the earth. The one whose instructions and commands lead to the fulfillment of shalom that God promised to restore. He is the one whose kingdom on earth does not look like conflict, segregation, a dichotomy between privilege and poverty. It doesn't look like some parts being okay and having more than enough while others are broken or lacking, which results in the whole not being able to operate as God intended. But instead, his kingdom looks like a collaborative, interconnected, harmonious community of well-being where all operate as intended where none have too much and none have too little, and all are able to flourish and be well. This is the kingdom of Shalom. We pray every week we come to earth as it is in heaven. Our Christianity is not just about us and how we feel within and about our soul and how we can come into our cave here or in our homes and distance ourselves away from other people and other situations that make us feel uncomfortable so that we can experience serenity. That's not God's will for us. Not to be serene. Our Christianity is the story of our willful choice to partner in God's efforts to restore shalom to the world by not hiding from the brokenness of the world, but by engaging it making the willful choice to build relationships with those who are not in a place of well-being because of their poverty, the willful choice to challenge the systems and the practices and the people who cause the breakdown of shalom by their self-focus, with their greed and their privilege, rather than an interest in the common good. Our Christianity is about the willful choice to trade our blissful ignorance and serenity for God's gifts of hope, love, joy, and the pursuit of peace, the restoration of shalom. This is why we in our congregation have claimed our Matthew 25 identity, an identity based out of the parable of Christ, where he expresses that a love for him and an allegiance to his ways looks like intentional loving care for the least of our sisters and brothers, that they might be restored to a place of shalom and suffer no longer. It's an active embodied love. This is why we seek 
as a community, not just to tend to ourselves as individuals, but to also now and in our future with intentionality, seek to feed the hungry, to house the unhoused and to nurture the children. Blair's not interested in particular parts of her car. Although this time of year, she does have a deep affection for the seat warmer. Her intention is never to allow some of the parts of her car to flourish while letting others fall into disrepair and destruction. Because her intention instead is to always maintain the well-being of the whole. And she knows that that requires the well-being of all of the parts to be upheld and restored when broken. God is not interested exclusively in only particular parts of creation or humanity. God's intention is never to allow some people to flourish while letting others fall into poverty and oppression. God's intention has always been to maintain the well-being of the whole of creation, which requires the well-being of all parts to be upheld and restored when broken. And we are those who join God in this story and in these efforts. And the one of peace, of whom Micah spoke all those years ago, is the one who leads us. So may we have the courage and the conviction to follow him. Advent is the story of waiting, not passively, but actively, with hope and expectation that what God promised would happen, will happen, not by magic, not only by God's doing, but because we participate, because it's our calling as willing partners to join God in this work of restoring peace to the world. And so God, help us all to look beyond ourselves unto that kingdom of peace. Be well, stay safe, stay warm. Have a wonderful holiday. Peace be with you all.